Well, this morning we're going we're gonna to jump right into Acts chapter 12. Uh, we, we, Pastor Justin's been in a series um, going through the book of Acts, and I believe last week he did Acts chapter 11. He hit a portion of that. Anybody here for that? It was a really good word. I got to listen to it online. It was great. Um, and we're going to jump into Acts chapter 12. <clears throat> I mentioned to you earlier that the Lord kind of had me working on some stuff at one in the morning, so fair warning. Um, his word to you is just follow him. And so um, how many know that there's a difference between um, public speaking and ministry? There's a difference between having somebody over to your home for dinner and actually fellowship. There, you know what I mean? And, and, that, and the, the difference that the Lord gave me a long time ago for ministry, this is for somebody, and maybe it'll just help you, I don't know, but I'm just going to got to get it off my chest, is that um, ministry happens when we take the fresh bread of the living Word of God that's on our inside and we share it with somebody else, right? If I just go through the book of Acts and share with you a story, it could be great, and look at the book of Acts, the Word of God itself has its own anointing, that's great, and it's probably better than what I'm going to say, but... But ministry happens when that becomes alive in you. The living word becomes alive and you actually minister. You share that with somebody else. You share the living bread. You share what God has done. And so this morning, I hope to be able to share a little bit of what's come alive to me in this book, if that'd be all right, in the book of chapter 12. So um, as is kind of customary, why don't we stand up? We're going to read through chapter 12 together, uh, just the first 12 verses. And uh, we'll go from there. Does that sound good? I like, this is a very talkative crew. I'm enjoying it. Keep it up. Uh, Acts chapter 12. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church. Okay, this is interesting. I learned that I believe this King Herod, this is how nasty he was, actually killed his own uncle. So he's kind of a nasty dude. Intending to persecute them, he had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. Another version says beheaded him. Sounds gnarly. When he saw that... This pleased the Jews. He proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And after arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him over, uh, out for a public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. He sounds like a very violent person, doesn't he? He's so well guarded. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around yourself and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison. But he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening, for he thought he was having a, seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. And when they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself, and he said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were anticipating. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Interesting side note, I believe that Mary is actually related to Barnabas, who Pastor Justin spoke about last week. So, you know, the kingdom of God is large and very small at the same time. Um, Father, we thank you this morning for your word. Uh, we, we, I pray this morning that uh, uh, literally your spirit of wisdom and revelation would rest on us as a church 
that we wouldn't simply hear of your marvelous works and golf clap them and salute them. That's amazing what you've done, Father. But I pray that out of our time together, we would have a bit of revelation in our own heart about what it means to live in this thing called the kingdom of God and that we would get truth out of here, that we'd begin to walk in and see Jesus more clearly. And if you agree with that, just say amen. 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 Thank you, guys. You can be seated. So it's a pretty, pretty cool story, right? Like, who wouldn't want to have an angel come and rescue them from a prison? Chains just fall off and you get to walk out. I think it's interesting he got hit in the side. That seems rude. But other than that, seems pretty good. One of the things that I want to talk about as we walk through is um, there's an interesting scripture in Mark where Jesus actually tells his disciples, um, there's two different versions, be careful what you hear, and the other version says, be careful how you hear. So he's talking about when his disciples were uh, listening to what he had to say, Jesus was warning them and saying, be careful how you actually hear. Don't, don't just listen for the sake of listening to get facts, but lean in, that's, what I, that's my terminology I use, lean in to what the Lord is speaking to see what he's actually speaking to you. How many know faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord? It doesn't say faith comes by reading scripture. We read Scripture to hear the Word of the Lord. If faith came by reading Scriptures, the Pharisees would be the most faith-filled people of Jesus' day, and that wasn't the case. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by, wording, uh, by the Word of the Lord. If we want to hear the Lord, we get into His Word, right? We wash ourselves with the Word, and we allow Him to begin to speak the living Word to us out of His written Word. They just go hand in hand. So this morning, that's what I want to lean into. As we read through the story, it's a great narrative. It's a great story. It's kind of fun. It's got angels. That's cool. But I want to say, okay, what is it about this story that the Lord's speaking to me this morning, right? How does, how does Peter getting broken out of jail 2,000 years ago affect my life today? Because I think it can. And so here we go. Um, there's four, well, let's see. There's three things I want to bring up about this story um, that are hugely important, but they're really not what we're going to talk about today. I don't want to discount them, so I want to make sure we discuss them. The first one is simply this, the power of a praying church. Amen. This morning, we had people come up for prayer because of an, a time I was impacted in morning prayer. We have prayer here at 530, men's prayer. We have prayer before each service, intercessory prayer right across the hall. We have prayer going on with our worship. There's prayer everywhere around here. We, we are a church that's praying, but I believe God's even calling us up to a new level of prayer. Anybody feel that in their own life? I feel the Lord calling us into a new place of prayer. This story tells us that of the power of a praying church. The story wouldn't exist. It wouldn't be in the Bible, I don't believe, without the unified intercession of the church. Hence the, the part where I read, but the church gathered to pray, right? It says, so Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God. One version actually uh, uh, translates that intercession as to be stretched out in prayer. They literally stretch themselves out in prayer. I was talking to somebody at the back of the auditorium um, after first service, and I, I think that's where I was. Sorry, it's been a long morning. Somewhere today. And we were talking about, um, I was sharing with them a story that I actually had. One of my first times going into Ghana, West Africa, we were up in the northern region, and it's very much um, more rural. And we were, it was two in the morning, we're in this little van, the only ones out there, there's nothing, no electricity, it's very dark, and just the stars and the black sky, and we're on this little dirt road. And we had to get out and use the restroom, which was trees, and while we're in the trees, sorry, it's just true, there were no restrooms, um, you could hear this hum, this like, what the heck is that? 
And it was coming from way over there. And we finally asked our driver, we said, what is that noise? And he said, well, that's the church praying. We said, that's, it's two in the morning. When do they stop praying? And he said, when they get an answer. <laughs> that got my attention. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, so this story highlights the importance of prayer. We are a praying people. Jesus said his church will be called the house of prayer. There are seasons of intense prayer, but there's also just supposed to be the normal lifestyle of a people of prayer. Amen? Um, and interestingly about this, too, it highlights the fact in verse 12 that they went to Mary's house where the people were praying. We all can pray on our own, right? We can pray, grab a friend, and pray walking on the street. But there are times where the church, I believe, is meant to gather together in physical locations and pray together. There's something about grabbing maybe a hand of a brother or sister in Christ, unifying in prayer, and being together, or two or more agree, right, to touch anything he says we can have whatever we ask. He says we're two or more are, are what gather in my name. There I am in their midst. There's something about being together that's really important. So I think it's interesting that they actually label where the place of prayer was. It was at Mary's house. Maybe um, you today might feel like a little bit like Peter. We're going to talk about this. this is where we're going to end up. Maybe not. Not I'm sure not everybody, but sometimes, and we've all touched on it. Maybe you feel like you're trapped in some sort of prison. Maybe not a physical prison. I would encourage you. The first thing to do is we need to pray. James four two says that we don't have because we don't ask. God God wants us to ask, right? All right. So prayer is important. Number two, I think this is just cool. I don't think we think about it enough. Is that this story is all about like this angel coming in and totally like rocking things? Isn't that wild? Like. This angel comes in, pokes him in the side, says, get up, and then literally leads him in this miraculous escape of prison. And I, I only bring that to our attention because I think sometimes in 2021, I mean, we're in America, in Maine, there's no angels that work here, right? We have everything we need. We have our iPhones, so we're good. I think we don't pay attention enough that the kingdom of God is set up in such a way that God created angels, it says, I think it's in Hebrews, to minister to the heirs of salvation. He says, I've made my angels as, as, as flames of fire to minister to the heirs of salvation. I think that's really important. Now, we don't go after angels. We don't, we don't pray to angels. We don't pursue angels, right? But I think it's equally as um, important that we don't ignore them. That we recognize that when the Holy Spirit breaks out in our life, when God does something supernatural in our midst, there's a good chance angelic activity is happening and it would behoove me as a believer in Jesus just to recognize that this is bigger than I, than I know. Right? Right? I see. A leg, uh, true story. Watched a guy fall, you know, got prayed for the power of the Holy Spirit, laid him on the ground, and his legs were completely way off. And I watched the Holy Spirit just grow that guy's leg out. Blows, blows my mind. Pro I don't know this to be true, but maybe angels were involved with that. Maybe something outside of just me and the other guy and the people. You know what I mean? Maybe it was more super than natural. And I think it's really good for us as a church to recognize that the kingdom of God is primarily spiritual. Right? I don't know. If you're like me, sometimes you forget that because we're just stuck in the natural. So, number two, God uses angels. The kingdom of God is primarily spiritual. And number three, Peter thought he was dreaming. Is that significant to anybody but me? I say it's significant because he's having this massive encounter with an angel, supernatural activity, kingdom of God's hap boom, happening in his cell, and he's like, oh, I'm having a dream. I wonder, I wonder if sometimes we 
explain away invitations that God gives us into his kingdom, right? You know, oh, that's just a dream. Oh, that's just a vision. Uh, I was in Seattle area. I wasn't actually in Seattle um, last week for a week. And I used to work in a bedroom community off of Tacoma called Furcrest. I worked at a bank. And I haven't, God bless you, I haven't been there for 10 years. And I thought I would have a way better memory than I do. I couldn't remember how to get around anywhere. And it really frustrated me. So one day I took my car and I drove, I Google mapped it. I drove to my old bank, which ironically just moved, which made me feel really sad. But it was all empty. And I thought, when I got there, I thought, well, I should just try to drive to my old house. It was an apartment without maps. I have no idea why I thought that. Sounds like a dumb idea now. Um, but I did. I jumped in, I, I, I turned my car around and I just started driving. And how many know, like, you, you've done something so many times, you have like this little memory of it, even if you don't really remember it. You're like, I think I'm supposed to be in this lane. I think I'm supposed to take this turn. You know what I'm saying? I mean, one, one, getting off I-5 going south, one exit had like five or six lanes in the exit. And I'm like, I think I should be in the middle one. I made it from the bank all the way home. It was like a 20-minute drive without making any errors, just from my old memory, right? And I felt like the Lord said, I wanted you to do this because I want you to realize that's what walking in the Spirit's like. It's not always knowing. It's sometimes just having an impression. It's sometimes just being aware of God enough to be like, I think he wants me to take a left. I think he wants me to talk to that lady. I think he wants me to buy food for my neighbor. I'm not real sure, but I think. What if walking in the Spirit, walking in the kingdom of God, the very first step is that we just become aware enough of God to be like, I think maybe. Is it worth taking those risks? Yeah, yeah. So that, that's really significant to me that Peter was like, I think I'm dreaming, but I'm going to walk behind this angel anyways. <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of bizarre. Um, and then the fourth thing, what we're going to talk about mostly or to some degree is the, is the idea that Peter was sleeping the night before he was going to get convicted and probably beheaded. Like, think about that. Let that rest in you for a minute. Like, you're in jail. Your buddy just got beheaded. That's super sad. Now you're in jail. And tomorrow they're probably going to like sentence you to get beheaded too. You have 16 guards. You're chained with two guard or two chains. You're you're sitting between two of them guards, and you're sleeping. I thought to myself, there is no possible way I would be sleeping. I would be freaking out. Am I the only one? I'm like so like not. Everyone else has way more faith than me. I know. I would be like, who do I need to write letters to, tell people where the valuables are, sorry kids, give them my will, all that, whatever it is, right? And he's sleeping. And I find that to be so significant. I find it to be so significant for a couple reasons. One is, what allowed this man of God to sleep? And that's what we're going to talk about. And as a side note, I'll say this. I think rest in the kingdom is completely underappreciated. We live in America and everybody's got to be busy. It's so important to God about rest. He actually said, let's take a whole day every week and have a day of rest. Not for my sake, but for yours. Anyhow, that's a side note. Okay. So Peter, he's sleeping. He literally could be utterly exhausted. That's a possibility. I don't know about that, though. I'd probably still be freaking out and awake. He could. Um, he, maybe he doesn't understand the gravity of his situation. Maybe he's kind of an idiot. I don't think that either. I think he probably knows what's going on. Or maybe his heart is anchored in a kingdom that's not of this world. And where his heart is anchored, there's nothing but peace. Maybe he's leaning back. We're going to lean back. There's a song. 
in, in the arms of his father. Maybe he's just resting in God and he's like, God, I just trust you. I don't know how this is going to end. But like Paul said, whether I live or die, I'm good. I just need a nap. <laughs> when, when bad things happen to good people, particularly in the church, we do one of two things. Well, at least I do. Maybe you do something way more spiritual. But we do one of two things. We either lean into who God is, right? Something bad happens to you. There's a crisis. There's a negative event. There's a sickness, a disease. We either lean, it, lean into the fact that God is good all the time. He's my healer. He's my restorer. He's my redeemer. He's my strong tower. We lean into those facts of what we, who we know God to be. Or we question them, right? And so now what I'm supposed to say as a preacher is don't do number two. Always do number one because that's the right answer. But the fact of the matter is we're human, right? And there's going to be times when we all have questions that go unanswered. So today, what I want to talk about briefly is, you know, we all have maybe a prison at times that we're in, you know, whether it's a prison of sickness or a prison of uh, strife, mar marriage issues or whatever, that you feel stuck, you can't get out of, right? Something above your pay grade, above your ability to, to change, that only God can move on your behalf, right? It's really quiet because people are agreeing with me. I know that's what's happening. In those moments, one of the reasons, I'll just use me, one of the reasons I would go to a place of questioning God is usually because I'm believing a lie. Amen? It's what happens. The, the enemy can't come in with anything but a lie, so he gets us to, this is a good one. The first lie he likes to say is this. God's good, usually. Right? What do we say? God is good all the time. We say that with our mouth, but sometimes do we really mean that? Or, or when a family member dies of cancer, do we say things like, well, the Lord's ways are mysterious. And what we mean is, God's really nasty sometimes, and I don't understand. Or a natural disaster happens, and they call it an act of God. because it sounds pious. But what if that's not really the truth? What if the truth is John 10.10, 10, where the good shepherd looks at us and says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came that they might have life. What if Jesus was offering us a line in the sand to say, hey, let me make your life a little easier. I know you got a lot of questions, Tom. Just draw this line in the sand. Over here is steal, kill, and destroy. Over here is abundant life. Anything on this side is the devil. Anything on this side is God. Amen? Anything on this side is bad. And it's not like a spooky religious, I don't really know what bad is. We know what bad is. Your dog gets hit by a car, it's bad. You know, it's just, that's not a good thing. If it's over here, it's good. Scripture is meant to align our heart with the priorities of the kingdom so we can experience who God is. And when I take a truth that says, you know, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus came that I might have life. And I make that a bedrock truth in my heart. It helps me filter everything out, especially when I have questions. It doesn't answer all the questions, but it helps to guard my heart. There's this, this theology that's rampant through the church, and I, I'm gonna, I don't mean to step on toes. It just bothers me, so I apologize in advance, I guess. It's a belief system that says that every little thing that happens is because God ordained it to happen. And there's a real big quiet now, because now you're like, ooh, he's questioning the sovereignty of God. We're touching on heresy, Pastor Tom. 
You know, the sovereignty of God just says that God is completely all-powerful. He bows to no one. He needs no one. He stands on his own. He's sovereign. That's an absolute truth. But he doesn't control everything. The word control, the scripture actually says control is as, as of witchcraft. He doesn't control everything. There's things like there's things like reaping and sowing in the kingdom. That means I have a part to play. There's things like the power of prayer. There's things like faith working by love and co-laboring with Christ. That means I have a part to play, that God puts some responsibility on his church. There's a system called this world that operates outside of the system of the kingdom. And in this world, there's systems that, hey, you know what? Sin happens and bad stuff happens sometimes. Natural disasters happen because of the cycles of whatever, sin and destruction in the world, it's not necessarily God's idea. Because you know what natural disasters do? They destroy. And the thief comes to destroy, not Jesus. It's a really hard truth because if we actually believe this, it changes everything. And what it changes most is my perception of the Father. I heard somebody once say this, and I'm totally copying it, but it so changed my view of the Father. They said, if I treated my child the way some people think God treats his children, I'd get arrested for child abuse. But yet I call him a good father because, and I still attribute every evil thing to him. No, 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 he's good. And when we believe the lie that he gives us sickness and disease and wants us in cycles of sin and he causes all these terrible things to happen, that lie comes into our heart and we, we, we get sucked into a prison that we can't get out of because now God is both a good father and an evil taskmaster. So that's the first lie, that God is good usually. It's not the truth. God is good all the time. Whew, that was weighty. We ready to move on? <laughs> Hit the gas pedal. The second one is this one, and we, I think if you're like me, we've all experienced this, and it's the lie that I'm alone. Like, no offense, but sometimes I think that's like the chapter heading to teenage years. Anybody been there? And some of us take longer to get out of it than others. You just feel alone sometimes. You feel like nobody's for you. Hebrews 13.5 says this out of the Amplified. I love how it says it. It says it a bit louder. It's, Jesus said, I will never under any circumstances desert you. Do, you. do you believe that this morning? Nor give you up, nor leave you without support, nor will I in any degree leave you helpless. Do you ever feel like God left you helpless? Nor will I forsake or let you down or relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. Jimmy Evans says this about forsake. He's like, when, when it says God won't forsake you, it means he'll never turn his eyes from you. That his eye is always on you because you're the apple of his eye. He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll never turn my face away from whatever you're going through. I'm with you. I'm with you. I won't leave you. What if that was not only true in our head, but it was true in our heart? And we actually believed the, the, the repercussions of that verse, that God isn't only with us in some mystical way, but he's actually with us all the time. That he actually never turns his attention from us, that he cares for our every need. And what if it wasn't something I just believed in my heart, but it was actually something I could experience? This transformed my life. Do you know in the Gospel of John, Scripture says this, Jesus said, I will, it's a John 14, by the way, if you want to write this down at home. You have to read the whole chapter because I'm not going to give you the verses. John 14, I will not leave you 
as orphans. You ever felt like an orphan? I will not leave you as orphans, the Lord said. I will come to you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he's the one who loves me. Now, this is hard. We, we're not saved by obeying God. We're saved by grace. But we are saved to obey God, right? We're saved to do good works. The works don't save us, but we are saved for them. Like, obedience to the Lord is critical to our walk with Jesus. If you want to whittle down the, gospel, the, 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 the life in Christ, the life in walking in the Spirit, it's this. Ask God what to do, and then do it. Can we do that? Let's just ask him what to do. And this is what Jesus says. He says, if you ask me what to do, and you do it, this is what he says. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. I will love him and manifest myself to him. You know what the word manifest means? In the Greek, it means manifest. That's why they use that word to translate it. It means to make visible, to appear before. Think about this. Jesus says, if you love me, you obey my commandments. I want to make myself visible to you. I want to appear before you. Pastor Tom, that's ridiculous. Anybody who sees God will be burned as a crispy critter. I get that. But what if the people in the Old Testament, the, the Davids and the Solomons and the, the heroes of the faith aren't just heroes of the faith to look up to, but they're actually foreshadowing bits and pieces of what a spirit-filled believer's life should be. And Moses said this. He said, God, I want to see your face. What if that wasn't for Moses, but that was a little drop that God could kind of foreshadow and said, church, I want you to hunger to see my face. Moses, Moses got to have an encounter with God where God hid him himself in a rock, in a cleft of a rock. God, Moses got that under a covenant where that really wasn't allowed. And in our covenant with God, Jesus says, I want to manifest myself to you. Now, to me, that excites me. That means there's more of him. Not only is he with me in my head and in my heart, but I get to say, God, I want to I know you here and now. I want to have an encounter with your presence. I don't care if I'm stuck in a prison. I want to be encountering who you are right now. Maybe Peter's just laying, laying in the arms of God, having an encounter with the Father, off in la-la dreamland, while all 16 guards are trying to make sure he gets beheaded tomorrow. That would change some of our nights, I think. Right? All right. I would ask this question. I had it written down. Is anyone hungry for God? But like half the church or more showed up at the front. So we're just going to go with yes on that. <laughs> have you ever felt like you were in prison? I have. Anybody been there? Uh, have you ever? <laughs> Never mind. I'll leave that joke alone. Maybe not a physical jail, but we all have our own emotional stuff, right? We all have our own trials and tribulations. Um, I, I was telling one of, one of my friends this morning, I said, you know, I, I, I kind of had this conversation in my head to the Lord. Lord, why, why are there so many messes? And what I mean by that is, why is life so hard sometimes, right? Deaths and drug addictions and messiness of family and children, right? And anybody else ever experienced any mess or is your life a bed of roses? And he said, why do you think I left the church in the world? <laughs> I left the church in the world because that's your, you're good at that. You're good at messes. You're good at loving people through their darkest hour. You're good at being a light in a dark place. You're good at being salt in a place that has no flavor. You're there to preserve people when their hearts are at their worst. Some of us maybe this morning came in here in a prison of sin, stuck in a cycle of sin. Some of us may have come in in a prison of unforgiveness, 
You know you forgive people with your words, but you know your heart's not in it. God knows. Some of us uh, have maybe been in a prison of worry or anxiety. Anybody touched on that one in the last 18 months? Yeah. Maybe you, you, you're in a prison of pain. This one, to me, personally, because of some personal experiences with family, have become really well aware that there's a lot of people that even grace our seats on a Sunday morning that come in here with massive amounts of pain, hurt, depression, and they leave the same way, maybe never actually making a friend or being able to share their, their heart with anybody. That's a big prison. And many times it feels and seems insurmountable to get out of. Maybe your prison is religion. Maybe you talk a lot about God, but you don't really know him. Whatever your prison is this morning, I want to encourage you that as we stay anchored in the truth of who God is, right? You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you, yeah. As we find the little lies the enemy puts in our heart, we stay anchored in the truth. We, 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 um, if you went through AP, Ancient Paths, Pastor Frank says you do a virus search. You like do a virus scan in your heart and you find like those little lies, you pull them out and you replace them with truth. As we stay anchored in those truths, we stay anchored in the Father's love, and it allows us to live a life that's actually carefree. True story, when I, I got saved in 1993, it was August of 1993, I went into my, uh, uh, what would it be, I forget the term, first year of high school, whatever you call that. That's it. Uh, I was, went in to be a freshman year of high school, and for some weird reason, in health class, they had us take this big uh, stress, uh, it was like a, an actual like bubbly, you circle the bubble, test. It was a test about stress so they could figure out how stressful you were. So our whole class was taking it. I had just gotten saved and I had this massive revelation that God loved me, that God was good, and that he was never going to leave me. And when I got done with the test, the teacher was like, that's impossible. You have no stress. And I said, well, how can I have stress when God's my father? Now, how many, how many, how many know sometimes we, we go, we vacillate back and forth and we, life happens and stress happens, so there's no condemnation. I get that. I'm not saying I live a full life of being stress-free, but I had such a revelation of the goodness of God at that moment that my teachers thought I was lying on this test, of skewing all their stress numbers or something. I don't know. But when we stay anchored in the truth of who God is, we stay anchored in his love and we can live lives that are actually carefree. Jesus actually says in the, it says in the word that we're to cast all our cares upon him. Isn't that true? We cast our cares upon him. This morning you may find yourself, and if the worship team is around, they can come on up. We're going to end some stuff. If the, the, you may find yourself in, in any number of prisons. Maybe no one even knows you're on a journey that includes a prison. Maybe you're all by yourself. I want to end today with a song just to give us a moment to commune with God one last time and say, God, maybe that's me. Maybe, maybe I'm not being honest with myself or others. And I, I am kind of stuck, and I just want to rest in who you are. Or maybe that's not you. Maybe this morning you're like, hey, God, you have delivered me of a prison just last week, just last year. I'm walking free. That's awesome. I would encourage you to, just to say in, in this time, say, God, is there anybody I can come alongside in love so that they don't, they don't actually just have the presence of the Father, but they have the presence of the church, the hands and feet of Jesus? Is there someone I can invite to my home? Is there someone that I can invite into my life to walk with them through this and show them the love of God? And that's just how we're going to end it. I want to read this scripture. It's, it's Jesus' job description. Why don't you stand with me for a moment? 
It's, uh, if I can remember it here, Isaiah something or other. Isaiah 61. There was a day Jesus went into the temple. He, for that day, he picked the scripture, and it happened to be this one, you know, God coincidence. It happens to be this one, and it's sharing his, he's basically sharing his job description with the crowd. Now think about this. Whether you're in a prison or you want to love somebody who's in a prison, this applies because it's all about Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. That's what we have, saints. We have good news, right? You invite someone over there, an addict, we have good news. There's hope. They're depressed, we got, we got good news. There's a God who loves, we can move through this. You're gonna make it. You're not gonna, you're not gonna get stuck. You're gonna make it, amen? He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, release from darkness for the prisoners, proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Have you ever just told someone, hey, I just think maybe this is your year for favor? I don't know. Someone's supposed to proclaim it. In the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning. Lord, as we kind of just take a moment to recognize and invite you into our space right now, just once again saying, God, what would you do with the truth of this message? Whether I'm in prison or whether I get to minister and love on somebody that is, we just invite you to show us how to be a people filled with life and love and rest in who you are. Amen?